Welcome to Dating in the 20s, the podcast where we anecdotally and scientifically explore how people in their 20s date in the 2020s. I'm your host, Liv Glassman, and in this episode, we'll be discussing attachment styles, or in other words, how the bond you form with your parents as a child affects the way you interact with romantic partners as an adult. Have you ever asked yourself, why do I act certain ways in relationships? Why do I feel so clingy all the time? Or why do I avoid relationships altogether? Or how come I want to be in a relationship, but every time I get close, I leave? These questions may be answered through understanding your attachment style. If you've ever taken a psych class, you may have heard of attachment style. Basically, attachment is the bond we form with our first primary caregiver. It's a universal human phenomenon that starts as early as in the womb. And the way we develop it eventually affects the way we find, keep, and end relationships. Before we dive in deeper, if you don't already know what your attachment style is, pause this podcast and go to attachmentproject.com to take the five-minute quiz, and then come back and learn some more. Again, that's attachmentproject.com. There are four types of attachment. Let's start off with secure attachment. So secure attachment is about 50% of the population. And this usually stems from healthy relationships with parents where the child was allowed to go out and explore the world, but also felt safe and protected at home. Secure people can trust fairly easily are attuned to emotions, can communicate the reason they're upset directly, and lead with cooperative and flexible behavior in relationships. Then there's insecure attachment. And insecure attachment is broken up into three categories. So the first is anxious attachment. Anxious attachment makes up about 20% of the population. And this usually stems from inconsistent parenting in which sometimes the parents are supportive and responsive to the child's needs, and at other times they're misattuned to the child. Anxiously attached people usually have a sensitive nervous system, struggle to communicate their needs directly, and they tend to act out when triggered. Then there's two types of avoidant attachment. Avoidant dismissive, which is about 25% of the population, stems from parents who meet their child's basic needs, but may have trouble responding to them on an emotional level, which leads the child to rely on themselves. Avoidant dismissive people downplay the importance of their relationships, are usually extremely self-reliant, and can become more vulnerable when there is a big crisis. Lastly, there is avoidant fearful, and this is only about 5% of the population. Avoidant fearful people are more dependent in relationships, have strong fears of rejection, have a low self-esteem, and may have high anxiety in relationships. In this episode, we'll delve more into how your specific attachment style affects how you act in relationships, your certain traits or insecurities, your dating history, how to tell what a first date's attachment style is, and your matches between attachment styles, as well as people you should avoid. 
with the help of my guest, Anne, we'll sprinkle in our own experiences and maybe even some juicy stories too. I am here with my very good friend, Anne. Hello, everyone. Anne and I have been friends since uh, we were eight. The second grade for the, people that aren't quick maths. The second grade. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Honestly, she's probably one of my longest friends because I went to a different high school than my middle school. So most of my friends are from high school. But I don't know. She's <laughs> I just stick around. I'm like that spaghetti that stayed on the wall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. Good analogy. So Anne and I hung out last week and we got to talking about attachment styles and we were just talking about how it has such an effect on our dating lives and the way that we see partners, the way that we act in relationships. And I thought it would be kind of fun to go over both of our attachment styles and the traits of each of our attachment styles, Mm -hmm. how they act on dates, who to avoid and who you match with and understanding more about your brain and how it works can Mm -hmm. actually help you like be more secure in yourself understand who you should go for in relationships so you can live a healthy life love i find to be the most irrational thing yeah in human existence there's no right or wrong yeah you know there's always some kind of blur that happens within relationships and understanding yourself gives you a level of clarity that lets you act with more ration or as much as you can yeah you and know? more empathy for yourself right and i also think understanding about the different attachment styles can help you as a partner understand them mm. and like what you need to do to make them feel yes uh, more secure about themselves okay so let's go over i am anxious preoccupied or just <laughs> i'm gonna simplify it and say anxious and so these are some traits and we're gonna discuss them so anxiously attached people become incredibly unhappy and worried about being too much or too little for the person they are dating and take everything incredibly personally. They also put a lot of high hopes on their partner and get attached to their potential. So like putting them on a pedestal, which I've definitely Mm. done in the past. I have definitely done that too. They cling to their partner codependently because they're afraid of being alone they can take actions to push their partner away because it like becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, which I relate to because I am like very secure in myself independently as a person. I feel like my friends wouldn't think of me as like anxiously attached because in my or they wouldn't regard you as yeah. that. Yeah. Because in my friendships, I'm very secure. But that doesn't always translate into relationships. No, it doesn't. It doesn't translate into relationships all the time because in my relationships, I feel afraid of being alone and so I think that makes me more insecure and it's just it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy because I'm like well I'm insecure I'm anxious I don't deserve this like I don't deserve love and then like I push them away my boyfriend can attest we have a really good relationship healthy stable but we're like hanging out at night and he has to like go home I feel like him leaving is like a rejection when really I know he's gonna be back the next day or in a few Mm -hmm. days I know in my head, like, live, like, he's gonna come back. But it's that little, like, thinking in the back right. of your head. And, and then it, it keeps pesting. And then it makes yeah. me look needy. So on first dates, it can be hard to tell if someone is secure or anxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because an anxious person uh, who's, like, fearing rejection and wanting to please people can often be funny and show interest in the other person. Um, so they may come across as confident and engaging, as we'd expect a secure person to be, but actually they're doing it for another reason. They're interested in the other person liking them and offering them security. 
They tend to disclose too much too soon. Well before the other person is ready for closeness, this urge to self-disclose can reflect their need to quickly find intimacy, to control their own anxiety, and to feel an interpersonal connection before any has been actually made. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do this. And it's not, like, conscious. I see myself as wearing my heart on my sleeve. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. very emotionally available. Without getting too, too deep, just being like, this is who I am. And I see that as sort of, like, being, you know, emotionally aware, sensitive to my emotions, trying to connect to people. But sometimes... I do feel like, why did I say that? But I think not to shit on yourself too much, right? Opening up is healthy. Obviously, being able to balance that is always a work in progress. Lastly, about anxiously attached people, their dating history, because they crave intimacy and feel emotionally incomplete without a partner, they will often have a continuous series of relationships since early adolescence. Yeah, I've had a lot of flings since I was started dating. I've only had two serious relationships. How do you think that relates to your anxious attachment style? I think that I feel almost inadequate when I don't have somebody distracting me. Mm. That's how I I put it, because when I was younger, I had like a series of flings, and they got semi-deep. But they weren't relationships. There wasn't a label on it. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of had backup plans always because I was afraid of being Mm. alone. And Mm. honestly, I don't think I've ever been fully alone for more than a couple of months since like 15. And And do you think you get attached to any of these flings? I do get attached to people really quickly, but I also when they reject me, I, like, move on like that. Yeah. Well, you're kind of on the reverse of me because you are avoidant, but avoidant fearful. Yeah, and in some studies, they like to call it disorganized attachment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mashes my ADHD. (laughs) It's like fucking chaos. (laughs) But um, avoidant fearful, it's kind of like a mix between dismissive avoidant and anxious Anxious. attachment, which is why I was able to relate to some of Liv's Mm -hmm. points, you know? But yeah, get into what so you have So let me tell you down. the traits and see if you relate to them. Okay, right. ready? They attempt to keep their feelings at bay, but are unable to. They can't just avoid their anxiety. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me read it. Let me read it so they can hear. <laughs> they can't just avoid their anxiety or run away from their feelings. <laughs> Instead, they are overwhelmed by their reactions and often experience emotional storms. Can you relate to any of that? <laughs> Um, yes. Um, I definitely keep them at bay because I'm afraid to seem too clingy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll try to back off and maybe back off to the point where I seem dismissive, but I'm not, you know, yeah, because I'm just pulled back, pulling back. Cause I'm like, I don't want to send something or say something that will make them feel like I'm too clingy. And if there's a problem, you know? And because I'm also just very avoidant of conflict in the first place. So if I can avoid it, I'd rather hurt myself than be able to, like, say something and then, like, be afraid of the consequences. Mm. I have a fear that I take up too much space. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of imposing my existence onto people's lives, even if they're my friends. Like, with friendships, you're supposed to impose on each other's lives. So, like, oftentimes I do come off as distant. But you, That's literally you, not what's happening in right, my head, right, which right. is the emotional You're, storm. Right. You want the relationship to keep going, and you don't want them to see, like, a dark side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So do you think in relationships or whatever, uh, you know, flings, 
have you suppressed and then was there like an outburst? I've suppressed it and I've never really had an outburst in front of a person. If there is nothing that triggers it, I tend to keep it into myself. And when it ends, I still keep it in myself. Like, mm-hmm. I do not reach out to the person and I try to solve it within myself. Always thinking about, like, what was wrong with me? Yeah. You know, not what was wrong with the relationship or what was wrong with this interaction. Mm-hmm. It's always thinking about, like, what could I have done? You know? Yeah. I've, I, uh, like, I relate to that too, though. Yeah. To fearful avoidance, the person they want to go to for safety is the same person they are frightened to be close to. As a result, they have no organized strategy for getting their needs met by others. As adults, these individuals tend to find themselves in rocky, dramatic, or sometimes abusive relationships with many highs and lows. They often have fears of being abandoned, but also struggle with being intimate. They may cling to their partner when they feel rejected, then feel trapped when they are close. I definitely do feel trapped when I feel like things are becoming more vulnerable. I think I pursue people that tend to be more distant at first. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's just basically me pursuing avoidant people. Like avoidant pursuing avoidant. Avoidant. So both people don't want to open up. Once they do get more distant, I just become more distant by default. But in my head, there is the emotional storm. But I don't want to come off as too much Mm -hmm. so I definitely because I think to myself like what's the alternative someone sharing sharing too much and then me getting uncomfortable so I feel like I always have that limbo of I don't know what I want I want someone who is more stable in nature but at the same time someone who's too stable in nature scares me so I go back to avoidant people so it's Mm. that pattern Okay, let's go over dismissive avoidant now. And then we're going to go over the way that avoidant people in general act on dates in their dating history. Gotcha. Okay, so dismissive avoidant. This is actually the most common next to secure. They tend to emotionally distance themselves from their partner. Mm -hmm. And thus come off as overly focused on themselves. They may seek isolation and feel pseudo-independent. Right. Taking on the role of parenting themselves. But pseudo-independence is an illusion, as every human being needs connection. People with a dismissive avoidant attachment tend to lead more inward lives, both denying the importance of partners and detaching easily from them. They have the ability to shut down emotionally. Mm -hmm. Even in heated or emotional situations, they are able to turn off their feelings and not react. These are how you can tell if somebody is avoidant overall, both fearful and dismissive, on a date. So, it's easy to pinpoint based on the way they talk in those early interactions. They're uncomfortable talking about their feelings. Mm. (laughs) Instead, they focus on what they do, their jobs, their favorite TV shows, and other such topics without getting too personal. Wait, actually, that is me. If I were talking to someone on a first date, a lot of times I talk about big general shit that doesn't have to do with me. Things that are subjective... I tend to stray away from because I don't want to expose myself. Mm. So this is what it says about dating history. If your date has reached early or mid-adulthood and never been in a serious relationship, that could be a sign of avoidance. I've been in one serious relationship, but even then, 
I never felt adequate enough. I felt like he was too nice to me. I thought he was too good to me. He was doing too much for me. Right. And that is ultimately what made me leave. Because like, it's a, his feelings are too strong. I'm not good enough. Right. I'm not going to live up to him. And honestly, that like serious relationship, I wouldn't even say... It's hard to say whether I love him or not. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've really gotten to that point with him yet mm-hmm. because it does take me a long time to open up. Yeah. Okay, so let's go over um, the normies. These are the secure people. So secure people are oh. comfortable with intimacy. They tend to be more satisfied in their relationships. Mm, must be nice. They feel connected to their partner and while allowing themselves to move freely. On dates, um, they're free and versatile in conversation, often relaxed and open to a bunch of topics. And then their dating history, they've probably had a few serious relationships, but also have spent considerable time without a relationship. So this could be you. This is 50% of the population. And let's talk about matches. Hmm. Let's talk about who you should go for as your attachment style. So secure people, congrats. Attachment research says you can enjoy a successful relationship with any attachment style. If you match up with another secure person, you both can contribute to a stable relationship. If you match with an avoidant or anxious person, you can bring stability to the relationship by understanding your partner's attachment needs. Wait, hold up. I'm going to cut you off there because I do have a question. What? For when they're dealing with people that aren't secure as well. Do you think that they become this crutch role? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So is it really enjoyable to be with someone like me? No. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. No, because Ugh. they're secure. In this, I know my current boyfriend, he's definitely has a secure attachment style. That doesn't mean he's, like, never gone through anything in his life. It's just, like, how he What attached. has he done to soothe you? I just wonder. <sighs> well. Um, <laughs> no, I just think, like, when I'm insecure, he doesn't, like, take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. And it, like, doesn't escalate. Like, in my previous relationship... When I would become in- insecure, he would take it as, like, an attack or, like, also become insecure, and then it would blow up. Now, mm. like, it's just like, okay, this is the insecurity. Let's work on it. I'm here for you. Okay. So, to continue, avoidant and anxious people will each do best with a secure partner. Anxious people, with anxious people, it says it can work, but this pairing can sometimes result in partners becoming highly dependent on each other. And I've never been in this sort of situation. I don't think I've ever been with an anxious person. Wait, that's so interesting, right? I feel like it's not like I choose people based on their attachment styles. Like, that's not the first thing that goes through my head. But I gravitate, I think I gravitate towards avoidant and secure. Because I, for, in my personal life, like, I prefer people to be calmer. Having someone that can stay calm mm-hmm. instead of also getting anxious is what I tend to gravitate but towards. But how do you... So for guys, what do you think are some telltale like signals that they could be anxious attachment in the way they text or the way they act? You know what? I was with one anxious person and I didn't like him very much because he's very type A worried all the time and that's not my vibe. It wasn't yeah. that deep of a relationship. We saw each other for maybe like a month. But I think one time we were outside of a bar in the city with him, my friend, and his friend that was a girl. So mm-hmm. it was three girls and him. There was a group of guys, and I saw that it was my friend's brother. And so me and my best friend went up to him because me and my best friend are, like, best friends with the friend whose brother was there. 
Okay. That sense. Yes. So we went up, we said hi, we were there for like maybe 10 minutes chatting in this line to get into the bar. He like came up like, like your dude. Yeah. And not was, your dude, but like then, then yeah. dude. He came up, he was like really upset and it was like really weird and he never acted that way before. Like that was like the first sign of like, okay, maybe that he's not the one. I'm like, this is my friend's brother, like not interested. Like we're just chatting. And also you brought your friend that was a girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. What right? the? He can't put those standards on you. No, it was real weird. Wrapping up, we're going to talk about avoidant avoidant. So avoidant avoidant partners together can work, but there is the danger that when the couple hits a rough patch, both partners may be too likely to simply drop the relationship rather than sticking around to work it out. Is that something you relate to? She just turned away from me, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the guy that I'm in chaos with for the past, like long time but something would go wrong and it was in his personal life that something would go wrong and I want to reach out to him and he felt like because I couldn't relate to him that I've never experienced that kind of stuff that I'm not deserving of knowing Mm -hmm. you know that's the vulnerability side of him like not wanting to open up and he would cut me off but then months later, when everything's been mm-hmm. resolved internally and resolved externally, whatever, he comes crawling back and talks to me again. And I fall for it every time because I'm like, well, maybe he grew this time. Nah, nah. Yeah. It's the same, like, nonchalance. It's the same shit. Every yes. Time. Matches to avoid, guys. Matches to avoid. Anxious avoidant. Don't go for anxious avoidant because in this pairing... Each person needs different degrees of intimacy. The anxious tries to get close while the avoidant pulls away. <laughs> when these needs are not met, they have opposite ways of responding. That's creating a vicious cycle that further stresses the relationship. Yes. Relate to that. My first relationship was very rocky. It was probably verging on toxic. And that's because he was an avoidant personality. And basically what can happen in psychology, there's this term called repetition compulsion, which is when you try to fix the past by pursuing similar situations or people who once hurt you. So anxiously attached people do this by pursuing avoidantly attached people. The avoidant one of the pair then has someone who is constantly after them even if they put in little effort, while the anxious person's fears of not being enough are validated. And I think a part of that is just, like, you're not even trying to fix yourself. It's more you're trying to affirm to yourself, I can be with this type of person. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm good enough, I should be able to be with this type of person. Yep. Thank you, Anne. I love you. I love you, too. From eight years old to now, and I hope this helps people listening uh, better understand themselves, their partner, who they should go for. I hope that this was, like, honestly relatable to some people and to let you guys know that you're not alone. You're not abnormal. You know, for the longest time, I felt abnormal. But once I started opening up to friends and stuff, realizing that there's things that you can work on. Yeah. Everything's not permanent. Life isn't permanent. And knowing that there's room for growth. Yeah. Don't be too hard on yourself. That is our message, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Dating in the 20s. Before you go, make sure to follow us on Instagram and follow Dating in the 20s on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Tune in next time to further explore dating in the digital age. I'm your host, Liv Glassman, logging out.